everybody, thanks for subscribing to the Front Row Knowles podcast. Hope you're tuning in to listen on Real Talk Tallahassee 93.3 if you're in Tallahassee on a weekly basis, Wednesdays at noon. Also want to thank Seminole Boosters. Reminder, uh, if you're not already a member, jump on board to help make a great brand even greater. And don't forget, there are tickets available for Florida State's games this season. Just go to Seminoles.com backslash tickets to grab yours. That said, enjoy this week's Front Row Knowles. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ with you. It is time to recap what happened at Clemson Memorial Stadium on Saturday. Keith and I have not debriefed about this at all, which is pretty much the norm. So, Keith, I'll let you go first. I was at Clemson. You were... uh, able to partake in the football game as well. What'd you think? I was pleased. I was disappointed, but was pleased. I thought uh, Florida State handled themselves real well with the exception of uh, uh, some penalties, particularly in the latter half of the ball game. Uh, I know we didn't get the running game going, but I thought that uh, you could credit Clemson's defense for that part of it. And, um, what we were fearing two, three months ago might have been an absolute whitewash. I think folks, with the exception of that last six points, will look at it and say Florida State held their own. Obviously, Clemson, Clemson's not the same Clemson they've been for the last six years, but still, you go into to Memorial Stadium with 79,000 people and hold your head up. Uh, we don't believe in moral victories, but uh, it was certainly a continuation with a few few little bumps we'll talk about, but a continuation of the improvement that we've seen. Yeah, I think overall that's a fair way to characterize it. Clemson's not nearly what they've been, but it's not as if Clemson has taken 12 steps backward. Clemson's three losses are all by a possession. They just have not had dynamic quarterback play or running back play. And interestingly, I, I, I think they may have, in the same way that Miami has apparently found its quarterback, through happenstance and that their starter got hurt and their number two guy wasn't the fit. And now they're, you know, they got a guy who's playing well. I think Shipley who was hurt earlier, earlier this year is far and away their best tailback. And he got more of an opportunity Saturday because the starter was out with COVID protocol and, and he's back from injury. But anyway, you, you want to start on offense or, or defense here or special teams? Cause that was abysmal too, at least in terms <laughs> of the punt returns. Oh, uh, we continue to see the inability to do the fundamental thing that a punt returner is supposed to do, which is catch the ball. Uh, but being, being that way, let's start on special teams and knock them out. Okay, well, that starts at the beginning of the game when Florida State's opening kickoff goes out of bounds and Clemson gets it on the 35. Ultimately, they, they punted on that series, but then Florida State got it back and the field was kind of tilted in Clemson's favor. And they did get the field goal on their second possession. So I guess you could point and say that it all started maybe with that 10-yard, you know, instead of the 25 going to the 35. I don't know if that ball was just mishit, though, or if it was trying to get too cute. I do know that Clemson got pretty lucky in that it's an oblong football. And when you make the decision when it's rolling at the two, you better hope that it does roll out of bounds because it could have kicked the other way and it would have been a disaster. Well, to be fair – uh, the decision was made at about the eight <laughs> and the return guy was blowing on the ball to try to get it out. No, no, I'm being a little bit facetious, but yeah, it was, that was a very dangerous play that went Clemson's way. No question. But the kick return game overall. So Treshawn Ward, uh, well, and we'll get to the punts. He also was back as a kick returner and he did get a chance to return one and got it out past the 25. And I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to get him 
more touches, A, because there's just not enough footballs or opportunities in the running game, and B, he's one of their best playmakers in space. So they're trying to give it an opportunity there. It worked in terms of the kick returns. The punts are another thing, and I'll hold that just for a second, Keith, because as we're going to talk about Florida State special team struggles, and they had a PAT block, Clemson's kicker was seven of eight on field goals and missed three field goals in this game. So I don't think Dabo is singing the praises of his special teams right now either. No, but and, the and punts, to be fa- Keith, yeah, and yeah, to be ahead. fair, FSU, you know, I mean, that's six, nine points that FSU dodged uh, that uh, kept them in the ball game. Uh, the, the punts, Tommy, are real simple. Move the guy up a little bit, dare him to kick the ball over your head. I know you can pull out all the metrics you want, but the reality is it's not working, and you've got to be able to field that ball. Uh, that's hidden yardage, whether it be five yards or 25 yards, that, that FSU is not good enough to overcome. So, so do the smart thing and, and move your returner up five yards and tell him his job is to catch it and don't worry about anything else and Treshawn has not spent a lot it's only been two weeks I think or maybe since the bye week that he's been been fielding punts hasn't really done it in a game last week he was back there but it was part of a three safeties back there you know three return men so it was a little different uh, I agree they got to catch the punts particularly the one at the end of the game when you're going to get the ball Keith and have to go the length of the field with 30 seconds Yep. Your best opportunity is if you could spring a return. And I would actually – now, that one was a line drive punt, if memory serves, that they kicked away from him. So, I don't know that he could have caught that one. But, but you can catch it on the first bounce. Yeah. Yeah, I, you could you could do that. Or FSU could have had two return men because, again, I really th- – your opportunity to spring a big play is better on the punt return than it is throwing a Hail Mary, as we saw based on the way the game ended wholeheartedly agree okay that said anything else on special teams <laughs> uh, I did not even on the replay get a good look at the blocked uh, PAT so I don't know to who to put that on uh, but I will tell you that FSU has not um, struggled in that area greatly so maybe that's just a one-off and not anything to be terribly concerned about well earlier this season they did I thought that problem was ironed out but let's think about this Keith the way Florida State was was heading, the the wind was the wind was at Florida State's back in the fourth quarter, and if you were trailing 24-21, you don't have to go the length of the field and score a touchdown. You conceivably, if you get the ball to Clemson's forty, now I know that'd be a fifty-seven yard field goal, but you would have an attempt to tie the game there, and so we discount that because the block PAT occurred so early in the game. But that's a big difference. I mean, Florida State would have needed to go 40 yards in three plays instead of 80 or 90 yards, whatever it was. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. And obviously, you know, hindsight's always 20-20. There is room for improvement is the uh, bottom line when it comes to special teams. Yeah, I agree. And I will say one thing that did disappoint me, I thought it in the moment, and it preceded Clemson's go-ahead score, the Shipley touchdown, that was the worst punt of the day for Master Mono, and that's why Clemson started that drive at like the, their own 42 or 45. Uh, he had done a better job before that, and obviously we'll get to the penalties that, that helped that drive as well. But uh, that was not the time to have a, have a shorter punt, but that's what happened. And maybe I, I couldn't see, did Clemson have an extra return man up there to make that catch? 
Is that is that what they did on that play, Keith? I don't believe so. I'd have to go back and check the tape, but I think they knew they couldn't afford to give up that hidden yardage, and they had given proper instructions to their return guy. I mean, yeah. it was a 38, 39-yard punt. I mean, it wasn't like it was a 25-yard punt. So, I mean, it had enough air for somebody to get underneath it. Gotcha. Yeah, and that's fair. It, was, it wasn't a shank. It's just that would have been a better time for a 48 to 50 instead of a 38-yard punt. All right, so two straight weeks we're starting with special teams, Keith. That's not the reason Florida State lost this football game. The reason they lost the football game is they couldn't block Clemson. They couldn't do anything offensively. Uh, I, I thought they schemed some things early on. They obviously got a couple of, of shot plays in the game. One of them to Toa Feely was an all-time play, given that he pirouetted, never hit the ground, or flipped and still got up and scored. But the, the one sustained drive Florida State had, I thought FSU was very creative, especially once they got in the red zone. And that really was the only time in the game that we saw some of that unique shifting of personnel. And on the, on the touchdown play, they had Ontario Wilson sprint out far to the right like they were going to quick snap. And then they didn't quick snap, and they had three other guys shift left, and that's when they threw the ball to Corbin. But the, and, and so it caught Clemson a little off guard. Now, Corbin only got one yard, but he only needed one yard. But we didn't right. see anything like that the rest of the, the game that I can think of. Well, Dabo's comments at halftime uh, were simply that defensively, Florida State shifting was causing them some problems. So obviously, that was of concern on that side of the ball. And, you know, maybe that should have been continued or obviously that should have been continued. Uh, you know, when you're going up against a defense as stout as Clemson, uh, and, I, and I, know, I know it's a down year, but as you mentioned, you know, three of their losses are by one possessions. You know, they're still one of the best uh, teams in the country from a defensive statistics standpoint. And you, you've got to be a little different. I'm not saying you've got to go trick-or-treat like, uh, you know, UMass tried to do against FSU with linemen split out. But yes, that those the, the 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 double and triple tight end stuff, the shifting stuff, just the things that make them think, um, certainly is an avenue and a and a, a thought process that maybe if you look back at it, uh, you'd want to do a little more uh, next time around. One thing that happened, and I'm not sure when it happened in the game because I missed it, but Cam McDonald got hurt. I didn't see him in the second half. He may have been gone sometime in the second quarter and so their tight end rotation changed Wyatt Rector also got hurt and I'm pretty sure they had a lot of packages that were going to involve Cam which is why Jordan Wilson who's primarily a blocking tight end wound up as the leading receiver with three catches but again I, I don't know the specifics on Cam I just know that he wasn't out there in the second half and I do think that that closed the playbook down a little bit from what they were open to do. And I, and I apologize to you and to our listeners. I did not catch that. That was not talked about during the telecast. Uh, so obviously that would be a, a, a logical uh, explanation as to why they had to go away from that. Yeah. The, the other thing, though, offensively, Keith, I think what we have to get back to is Jordan Travis, he's elusive, he's athletic, he does a lot of great things, but he's not a pocket passer. And he's, he's standing in the pocket a little bit more. He did it more against North Carolina. He tried it against Clemson. And, and I don't want to put it all on him because there's offensive line 
growth needed. The receivers can be better. But if you're going to be one-dimensional or, 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 you know, basically Clemson's defense made FSU play left-handed, for lack of a better term. FSU wants to run the ball. They couldn't run the ball. And once you're one-dimensional, Brett Medibles is going to beat you, and that's what happened. Two things on that, Tommy. At least one of those sacks and, and probably some other pressures came with a three-man rush. I mean, it wasn't like Clemson was bringing the house. They were getting pressure with four down, sometimes with three down. The other thing that they did that, again, you got to give Clemson credit for, they were able to push the pocket without creating any seams. You know, one of the things you try to do, particularly when you've got outstanding defensive ends, is you, you let them bull rush, you let them speed rush, you let them spin inside. Clemson didn't do any of that. They had their defensive ends engaging Florida State's tackles, keeping outside leverage, and just pushing inside. If you go back and look, very few times was Jordan able to sprint up into the pocket and out of the pocket. He was having to do 360s and 270s, you know, to the left and to the right, retreating, because Clemson did a great job of keeping that uniformity in their rush and not allowing any escape lanes. And, again, that's a very, very good defensive front. Venables is a very, very good coach, and uh, that was a game plan that worked very well for them. We'll get to the defense here in a moment, Keith. I will say this. After you get the lead on the strip sack, you've got six minutes, maybe five minutes left in the game when you get the ball back because you did. Yep. So – and, and here's where Florida State's not good enough. We can talk about the defense and how they gave up the long touchdown and some of the mistakes, and we will. But you have the ball in your offense's hands with five minutes to go. You basically need two or three first downs, and Florida State's just not good enough. And I know it's a good defense, and that's, that's the one time in the game that the crowd actually got loud, Keith. I didn't think the crowd overall was that loud. Uh, maybe because I've been there a few times and maybe because Clemson's got three losses. And so it's, it's sort of a different spirit at Clemson right now than what it's been the last few years. But the point is, if you're a little bit better there, then we don't have to have the conversation we're about to have about that last drive. And, and that's just an area FSU, they, they need better personnel up front and they'll, they'll get there. They're heading the right direction, but they just couldn't finish the game. Here, here's where this game can be maddening because you're exactly correct. If you get one more first down, let's say two first downs, you get 20 yards. Then Mastromano kicks at 38. Clemson's starting from inside the 15. So, all right, you you didn't get the first downs. If you can get a 52-yard punt, you know, they're backed up 14 more yards. All that is that hidden yardage and that, that, that difference between being a good club and a great club. And, and that's the little things that this team is having to grow into and learn and understand. Um, because, again, as you've pointed out, if you, if you go into your four-minute offense with five and a half, six minutes to go, and, and at least get the ball to midfield where you're going to – when you punt, you're going to back them up, that changes what, what Clemson wants to do once they get the ball game. They don't have time to run Shipley uh, like they did. They would have to rely on the pass, and that didn't happen. They didn't have to, and they scored. 
right. So let's flip it to defense. I, the other, I, well, I guess the other thing we can point out on offense, it just is what it is. Dylan Gibbons sucked it up and played. He's not a hundred percent. Devonte Love Taylor's not a hundred percent, but they're, they're the better options. And they obviously felt like going with those two guys less than a hundred percent was better than rolling baby on Johnson out there at one of the guard spots, even for a possession or two, just to see if you might get a better result. And we just got to trust that they know what they're dealing with there in terms of their options, but, but they're not a hundred percent. Okay. Defensively, Keith, I'm going to, I'll give you a broad statement and let you jump in. Uh, there was a lot of good out there. The defense forced three turnovers. They got a score that put FSU ahead, you know, five minutes away from winning the football game. Uh, they, ma- they made some good plays. They held Clemson to field goal attempts. That's all positive. Then you could argue it the other way, and you could say, well, Clemson scored more points in regulation than they have all year long against the FBS opponent. And that's while they were missing three field goals and Florida state couldn't get a stop when it mattered most at the end of the game. So where do you fall on that little snapshot that I just gave? You, you fall in that the defense played adequate and you had a chance to win. They were certainly not overwhelming, uh, but they didn't play poorly either. They just didn't play good enough. Uh, the other thing that's a little misleading about yardage and, and not necessarily the points, but the yardage is, you know, another thing FSU, and I don't know the answer to this. I can just point out, you know, FSU ran 56 offensive plays. Clemson ran 74. You know, when your opponent is running, quote, unquote, 20 more plays a ball game than you are, that's, that's just not a recipe for doing well. Now, I know FSU had a couple of chunk plays and, and, and needed them, particularly the total Philly uh, reception and, and run for the touchdown. But getting some, uh, getting some more uh, balance in those plays that are run uh, is just as important sometimes as getting that balance in time of possession. And uh, that certainly didn't hurt, or excuse me, didn't help FSU in this ball game. Yeah, the, it was the chunk play, not just the toe of Philly, but also when you get a defensive score, that's Correct. great. But then the, the defense goes right back out there again, and the offense doesn't get any plays. Now, I will say that after the defensive score, Florida State did get the three and out and forced a Clemson punt right there, which uh, I, I was impressed that they were able to do that because it felt to me like the time on the field, the number of plays they were defending was starting to add up. Um, yeah, I, I, I think you, you described it pretty well. I don't think they played poorly. I don't think they played great. I also don't think you can just look at the Clemson point total and say, oh, well, that means FSU did worse than anybody else on it. Shipley, I, I do think you can see that Shipley's an electric player. and He was a five-star guy. He, he was hurt, and he came back earlier from injury than expected, I think, maybe last week. I don't know how many games he missed, but I would suggest that their offense is probably better when he's out there. Uh, and, and so you're seeing a healthier Shipley, and he went well over 100 yards rushing. Um, so I, I guess adequate's a good description, Keith, the way you put it. Now, the last drive, the, the one thing I will say, and I've not seen the replay on the late hit out of bounds, but the pass interference call was horrific. I was there on the sideline. Now, you may disagree, but both of the officials that are on the sideline, the one that's ahead of the play and the one that's behind the play, they didn't come close to throwing a flag on that. It was maybe maybe Knowles hit him a nanosecond early, but it really was not something that should be flagged. And so instead, the back judge, who wasn't even in the middle of the field, from what I could tell, he was further towards the Clemson sideline, 
tosses the flag and comes in, and that's 15 of the yards on that drive. Well, uh, in reality, between the late hit out of bounds, which, again, both of those calls, Tommy, FSU just didn't get lucky or getting fortunate. Both of them can be called. Um, and, and you can go back and look at the replay and they're, they're arguably close enough. Uh, the biggest problem you've got with Knowles is that he didn't get his head turned back around and right, wrong or indifferent, you know, they're going to make that call. Uh, the out of bounds, late hit out of bounds. Yeah, it probably was. Now he didn't hit him hard and it wasn't bad. It wasn't aggressive or egregious. But the bottom line is those are times that you just can't afford to have the chance of penalties. And FSU just didn't get fortunate or lucky on that. I think there was one more in that drive, too, because I read or heard somewhere right after the game that 45 yards in penalties were were contributed to that last drive. I may be a little mistaken. I think people – that's getting conflated. So there was a 15-yard unsportsmanlike on Jermaine Johnson after he scored the touchdown, which was assessed on the ensuing kickoff, and that's a drive that Clemson started at its 38. But that drive, Florida State did force a three and out. So it was the subsequent drive. It was two 15-yard penalties. And going back to the pass interference, Keith, I would have been more okay with it if either either of the officials that were within 10 yards of the play looked at it and said, yeah, that's pass interference. But when the back judge is throwing it from where he was, basically overruling the two guys who were closest to the play, and I I guess he's got the latitude to do that. But that, to me, and the fact that they didn't even allow for a conversation because the the side judge tried to, to wave it off or have a conversation with the ref, Norvell was going nuts, and the ref just went ahead and announced it. I mean, there was no, there was going to be no discussion. One guy thought it was pi, so it was, and I guess maybe that's the way that's interpreted, unless you determine that the ball was not catchable. So he just went ahead and called it. That that's my biggest beef with that one. Understood, and um, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Now the Shipley run, on the other hand, Florida State was still reeling, and he he gets a twenty-one yard touchdown run or whatever it is. With, with at least two missed tackles. Uh, right, right. And at, at the time, I, I certainly wasn't happy about it, but I was sort of glad that he left two minutes on the clock or two and a half minutes instead of it taking Clemson seven plays to score from the 20 and leaving FSU 10 seconds. FSU did have two minutes there, but and they had the ball twice at the end. I, the last right. drive, the, the last drive with 40 seconds left, you really needed a miracle. Uh, but the but the, the preceding drive, I thought they might be able to get something together, but they just couldn't do anything. Correct, and that's where you really, really miss um, a, a, a quarterback that can take a snap, make a quick read, and throw a strong out, uh, because that that's the opportunity to either on a flare route from the back or just an old fashioned ten yard out route, and pick up two or three of those and get it to midfield, and then start taking your shots and. And FSU's just not built that way yet. No, they're not. They're not there yet. The defense, I think, had eleven or twelve tackles for loss in the game. Jermaine Johnson, what a find! He's he's got to be one of the best acquisitions in the portal anybody's had nationally. For him to get the sack, the strip sack, and pick it up and score himself, that was amazing. I didn't think that should have been flagged. By the way, I know he threw the ball in the air. It was not premeditated. It was a big moment. Florida State's trying to upset Clemson on the road, a team they haven't beaten in a while. 
trying to get back to 500. He just tossed the ball in the air. You're old school. You probably like the flag. But uh, as it turns out, that one didn't hurt FSU for the reason I just described a moment ago. Didn't didn't like it, understood it, but still didn't like it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The linebackers got picked on a little bit. I think the most open receiver I saw – couple of couple of guys over the middle there was one play in the first half where I'm not sure where DJ Lundy was going but he seemed to be following Amari Gaynor and they're both in the same zone which left about 20 yards of green grass in the middle of the field and a pretty easy throw and catch uh other than that I don't there weren't guys running free no not at all and the and other than the 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 Shipley touchdown run last touchdown run where they did miss some tackles, I thought the tackling was was fairly consistent. There were a couple of very nice open field tackles that forced Clemson into punting situations that, you know, in in games past, you would say those are iffy. They did a good job with it this this time. The the one exception was the long sixty something yard run that that Clemson's other back had in the first half, uh, where somebody could have got him by the ankles within three or five yards of the line of scrimmage, didn't, and he winds up going, I think it was sixty three yards or something like that, leading to a sixty plus, score. yeah, yeah. You know, and that's the drive actually. So that brings up a good point. That's the drive where they hit the fade, and Travis J is there and gets outfought for the ball again, which is what we saw happen a couple of times against Notre Dame and we haven't seen Travis Jay in the rotation as much, but as athletic as he is, Keith, and he seemed to be in the right place at some point, he's got to deflect the ball or knock that down and make that play. Agreed. And, and that's a a little bit of coaching, but that's a whole lot more of a, of a want to, we've had that discussion till we're blue in the face. Um, You know, one of the things you've got to instill in your defensive backs is when that ball's in the air, it's theirs. And, um, you know, there are certain things you can do to work on that. There are certain certain things you can do to encourage and and reward and or discipline when you don't do that. But that has to uh, come back to being something that Florida State's defensive backs take great pride in. And and, and that's another work in progress. Jay wasn't out there a ton. And it may be that after that play is when Amari and Cooper – started getting run the the the, the primary cornerbacks were Brownlee on one side and Jari and Jones but then they did play Cooper a lot now Cooper Cooper went and high pointed a football that and that was a that was a big pick I think that was maybe my most disappointing thought about the second half Keith and this goes back to the point about the defense they did force three turnovers and even taking away the Jermaine one the other two they they took the momentum and the wind out of the sails of Clemson and they got the offense the ball and short field situation close to midfield and the offense simply couldn't do anything with either of those opportunities. Right. It, it, it is a team game. And if your defense gives you an opportunity as the offense, you've got to take advantage of it. Um, and again, that's part of the work ahead. Uh, you go back up to the 30,000 level and you look at the ball game and you said Florida state continues improvement. When you get down and start honing in, you know, and you do this in losses, uh, as you've talked about, uh, you know, wins gloss over a whole lot of stuff. But in losses, you start paying attention to those things that are still needed to be worked on. Uh, great strides have been made, but progress still needed. Yeah, and the reality is Florida State, the, there's just no – there's very little margin for error. When you're playing Clemson, there's no margin for error. 
frankly, and, and it almost happened, for this FSU team to beat that Clemson team, even when Clemson's less than what they've been, it's going to take a defensive score and a play like that Toa Feely play where somehow not only do you hit a guy on a wheel route, somehow his knee never touches the ground and he's, he's Houdini, stays in bounds and scores a touchdown. Both those things happen, and that's how you end up with a lead with a couple minutes to go, but they just couldn't finish it. Speaking of that Toa Philly uh, reception and yards after the catch, I'm going to make that our prime meridian performance of the game. You know, one of the things that, I, that, that was very evident that when you go back and see the tape you haven't seen in a long, long time is you've seen some plays like that before, but the ball carrier puts a hand on the ground or does something to steady himself. Tommy, he never put a hand on the ground. He literally rolled over and bounced up off of that guy and the first thing that hit with his, was his two feet. And for him to be able to keep his balance, to keep his wit about him, and then tiptoe. Uh, in fact, one of the announcers talked about it. It was tiptoe toophilia or tip, tiptoephilia or something like that. Uh, was quite remarkable. So we're going to make that our Prime Meridian Bank performance of the game. Speaking of performance, Prime Meridian Bank has been named one of the best banks to work for since 2015 by American Banker Magazine. Want the bank where they greet you by name? Smiling faces that offer you a cookie or a coffee or a a bottle of water when you walk in the door? If you do that, that's what I call great performance. Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Offices in Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and Lakeland are on the web at trymybank.com. Prime Meridian Bank, member FDIC. I hate to... uh put this bad news out there Keith I don't know that the TV broadcast showed it but at, after time expired the last play of the game Toa Feely got hurt enough that the docs and the team trainers were all around him for three to five minutes before they assisted him into the locker room and I don't know the prognosis I don't think it's going to be great just based on watching him hobble in after that so that that happened is uh, on top of the fact that if you were a gambler Keith and I don't think you are, but you're no, probably I'm not, aware. but I know exactly where you're going. Yeah, yeah. Not only did that uh, go from FSU covering to Clemson covering, which Clemson had not covered at all this year, that all changed with the six points. And the game also went from the under to the over with that last six points. So uh, Vegas money moved from one side of the ledger to the other based on that, that last uh, touchdown that Clemson got as time expired. And it's amazing how Vegas figures that stuff out. It's, it's, it's mind boggling sometimes. I know. And yet there it is right in play. That's, that's a backdoor cover for sure though, if you're going to get it on the last, the last play of the game. All right. What else, uh, who else do we have to salute Keith here for this game? Well, obviously we're going to take our hat off to Jermaine Johnson. Uh, he's going to be our Hobson Chevrolet defensive performer of the week. Uh, the, the strip, so, uh, let's see how you say that the strip strip sack and score yeah strip, strip sack stoop and score uh, uh susie sells she seashells down by the seaside uh it, it was a remarkable play and it came out of nowhere i don't think anybody in that stadium anybody watching that ball game saw that coming uh from the standpoint that that you know within three four seconds the entire game was potentially turned around and I thought Jermaine, um, it was just a fantastic play. Everyone has been talking about and, and, and mentioning that uh, he has moved up on the uh, potential NFL draft boards. 
I think your comment is right on track that, that he may be the best transfer um, individual in the 2021 season. And very happy to uh, name him as the Hobson Chevrolet defensive player of the game. Make sure you drive up to Cairo, visit our friends up at Hobson Chevrolet, get your best deal the Hobson way. Keith, I don't know why I can still remember this, but Florida State defensive ends have scored a lot of touchdowns in that stadium in the same end zone. And so I flash back, and this one must have been 2011. I think it was Taj Boyd. He, he goes back from about his own 20, and the ball just – he goes to throw it, and I don't remember if he was hit. I think it was just – he didn't have it right, and it slipped out of his hands. And Bjorn Werner picks it out mm. of the air and scores. Mm-hmm. And then in 2013, when LaMarcus Joyner went nuts, he causes a fumble that Mario Edwards picks up and scores in that end zone on a scoop and score. And now you have Jermaine Johnson in the same end zone. So I don't know how frequently defensive ends for Florida State have scored, but the only ones I can remember of late, well, I guess I'm leaving out the one Kando had one against Carolina last year. But that's, that's three that have happened at Clemson. And you mentioned in the same end zone, that's the hill, isn't it? Isn't that the hill they run down? Yep, that's the hill. Wow. That's Amazing. the hill. Yeah, I, you know, the atmosphere at Clemson, if you've never been, it's worth going. And I don't mean you, I'm talking to our listeners here. It, it is a it's, a, it's a good stadium. It's a good show. It's worth going. I did find it interesting. I happened to be outside the stadium for a while before the game, which I'm usually not, Keith, but I was meeting a buddy of mine to say hello. And obviously I'm wearing Florida State stuff in a sea of orange and purple. And plenty of Clemson fans came over to say hello, and they were making comments like, hey, take it easy on us today, okay? We're not tigers, we're cats. Like, they, And this was several different people. So they, they have been humbled already, I guess, coming into the game at four and three that they were being that accommodating, to, considering I was one guy and there's about 50,000 Clemson fans in the same parking lot I was standing in. <laughs> Well, the biggest thing I remember, and you could you know this far more than I do, is that of all the stadiums that FSU's played in over the last 25 years, there are more people on the sidelines at Clemson than any place I can ever remember. Have they cleaned that up at all? Well, it was, it, it's been cleaned up some, and some of that might be COVID protocol related because they didn't let Clemson's fans, if you don't know this, win or lose, and it's been win for Clemson for several years now. That was their 32nd straight home win fans are allowed on the field and so they they take the goalposts out of play and the teams are still out there and fans just pour on the field and it's a tradition there they call it meet at the paw which is at midfield but it was it was loudly booed when a couple times in the third and fourth quarter they put a a statement on the video board and then the accompanying announcement to say fans due to covid you're not allowed to get on the field and everybody's booing. But I, I've always wondered how they continue to have that. There's other leagues where you get fined for rushing the field. This is not really rushing the field, but it creates an unsafe environment uh, when you're the visiting team trying to trying to get out of harm's way, so to speak, at the end of the game. Well, and you mentioned it, and I don't know where to direct our listeners to, but Clemson was the first that I ever remember that had the collapsing goalpost, which is speaking to exactly what you're talking about. And as soon as that game was over, those goalposts collapsed down to being absolutely on the ground. You, there was no way to climb anything because it had uh, it done a 90-degree turn and was uh, – what would that be? That would be horizontal to the field. 
Exactly right. But so that that didn't happen, though. And I guess they haven't done it all year. Uh, you know, one thing I'm giving Clemson a hard time on that because it, it, it does seem strange to me that that's the practice and that, that they do it. But anyway, obviously, they're allowed to do it. Uh, kudos to Clemson, though, for the way they paid homage to, to your coach, Bobby Bowden. They had his his name and that signature hat uh, on the sideline. Uh, it was the if you're watching on TV, it was sideline right. Uh, well, sideline right on both sides, depending on which side of the stadium you were sitting, I guess. And they also had Tommy Bowden there. And at the start of the second quarter, they they paid a nice tribute to Bobby Bowden. So I thought that was a nice touch that Clemson did. First time that Tommy had been back to Clemson uh, since his dismissal. And I'm sure our listeners are aware. I know Clemson fans are aware. But Tommy, as a head coach, actually hired Dabo Sweeney. And then when conversations were taking place and, and there was um, the thought process that Tommy needed to step down in conversations with the athletic director, it was Tommy Bowden who strongly recommended that Dabo be considered for the interim position, which then ultimately led to him being considered and hired as the head coach. And um, a difficult time from the standpoint that Tommy got dismissed but I think a continuation of that Bowden legacy, both in terms of what Coach Bowden was able to do in his 34 years at Florida State and what little bit or big bit or anywhere in between you want to say that Tommy had in bringing Dabo into the Clemson fold. Yeah, it's a good point. Unfortunately, Tommy's uh, wise counsel about Dabo has uh, hindered the rest of the ACC and certainly been a thorn in the side of FSU as that's now six straight the Knowles have lost to, to Clemson dating back to, to 2014 in Tallahassee. I don't know if there's anything else to add, Keith. You got anything? No, just, you know, the continuation that, uh, you know, we need to remember that what is in play in 2021 is progress, continued improvement. Uh, again, there was a little of a, a step back, some teaching moments. You had, you had, uh, Nine, I believe, nine penalties, which is the most penalties Florida State's had in three or four games. You had a couple of um, uh, pre-snap penalties on offense, as we've talked about. You had the the two uh, defensive penalties on Clemson's last drive. Uh, But those are areas, those are teachable moments. Those are times when you can explain and continue to reinforce with kids, you know, what we're trying to accomplish. Did not get the running game going. Uh, found a way to still stay in the ball game, uh, and I was proud of the effort. Uh, that's the one thing that uh, Coach Norvell said first and foremost after he congratulated Clemson, but that he was proud of the effort, and I would agree. Um, we've seen that con- consistently with this club, that they continue to play four quarters. They don't give up. They don't quit. Now you, now you start fine-tuning and working on all the things that will move you from average to good, and then hopefully from good to great. Keith, you mentioned the penalties, and this is a, a larger theme. And Florida State had cleaned up the penalties, but really I think, and I'd have to look at the play-by-play, but from the midpoint, maybe from the Jermaine Johnson tele, uh, touchdown celebration, which was midpoint of the fourth quarter, Florida State committed at least five of its nine penalties in the final six or seven minutes of that game. There were the three 15-yarders, two false starts, I think, were all in the last six to eight minutes of the game. And so the bigger theme question is, to, in your mind, Keith, uh, you can call it learning how to finish, knowing how to finish. Is, is it pressing because they're trying too hard and they haven't been in that scenario? Jimbo might have called it rat trapping. 
that that was one thing. And it, it, it's not that it's a concern because to me, it's another step they need to take because they haven't been in that situation to close out a team like Clemson on the road. And it just, I don't know if pressing is too strong a word, but all of a sudden that's, that's when you had some of those. And again, I disagreed with some of the penalties. So maybe I'm more talking about the false starts than anything. Well, I think your point is well made. And what I would echo and then add to is I don't know that it was so much pressing Tommy, but when you get in the fourth quarter, you're tired, you're weary. You've got to re re energize and, and fatigue one of the sayings in football is that fatigue makes cowards of all of us and you end up not hustling and that type of thing. We haven't seen a lot of that, but fatigue also makes you lose focus in what you've got to understand and what you've got to overcome is that when you get into the later stages of ball game, you've got to redouble your focus and that's hard to do. And it's certainly hard to do if you've not been in the situation before. And that's why I call that a learning experience and a learning opportunity. Makes sense. The one last thing I'll mention is shout out to the marching chiefs who were on the road for the first time since the 2019 season. I think since the sun bowl, as a matter of fact, and it's amazing. Well, it shouldn't be surprising, but you go to a place that's hostile like Clemson and it doesn't feel nearly as hostile when you hear the marching chiefs echoing throughout the stadium, they do such a great job. So it was good to see them on the road. Uh, I'm sitting at my desk at my house and, um, I'm looking at the um, light that is on my desk and sitting on top of that light is a ball cap, a baseball cap. And it says Florida state university marching chiefs. And I look at it every time I sit at this desk, that's how much I think of them. Very cool. I can't, I can't top that. I know the chiefs. I said hello to David Plack as I typically do when I see him on the field, uh, who is the director of athletic bands for Florida state, but I do not have a marching chiefs hat. So I'll have to work on that. There you go. All right, Keith, we're done for now. Uh, Florida state. If you haven't heard, we'll play NC state at four o'clock this Saturday game time announced for four o'clock kickoff. I think on ACC network, we will uh, do this again in the middle of the week until then he's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in to front row. Knowles.